Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, we talk about spotting red flags with clients and contractors. Red flags. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, when it comes to hiring a contractor to work with you, there are a lot of things you need to look for, right? A lot of things that over the years I have learned that if you can um, figure them out now, you can you can spot a disaster in the making. But more importantly, uh, red flags with clients. Nadia's um, got a lesson in that today. We'll talk about it later. But you don't have to take every client. And that's a big, big lesson I want to get out there. Because I know when you're first starting your design business or any business, especially now, money's tight, people are nervous, and you'll find yourself acting too desperate, getting too desperate to find a client to where you'll take any client. But that's that's not how you become a successful designer. It doesn't mean that you have to exclude people or be, you know, snobby or, but there are definitely people that will make your life <laughs> hell and you want to avoid them, right? Why? No amount of money can can repay you for the pain and anguish of working with some clients. And they're easy to spot. We'll talk about some of the red flags. Red flags. Mm-hmm. And how you can avoid it. How you can prevent it. And um, how to really feel good about walking away. You know, again, it's it's not easy. So Nadia, since you've been designing now for a full year, what do you think is a red flag that you've seen now that you have experience. And that's the whole point, right? Is learning from your mistakes, learning from my mistakes. Oh, please learn from my mistakes. But have you seen something now that might make you not want to take on that client? You know, I tell you, go free house call, the first one, because you want to make sure you want to work with them too. Yeah, a couple of scenarios come into mind. Uh, one of them being someone that would reschedule and or uh-huh. you know not pick up the calls and then finally you set that second appointment and you show up and they're not even there and then finally they'll email back a couple of weeks and then that person will, in our storefront they'll just pop up occasionally randomly like a like two months later and I'm just um trying to fidget through all my designs for something I had planned for her but I'm like hey if she's not responding she's not calling me back and I know you know who I'm talking about of course and so that was just like, whoa. And I kind of knew that she was going to be the ideal client. At that moment, I was kind of desperate to fill my pipeline. So yes. I was like, whatever, I'll take her, which has been just, and luckily she's like three minutes from the store. So it wasn't that much that I invested. But don't you realize, I mean, you see that one thing now. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like when you start to date someone, if something bugs you now, if you mm-hmm. marry that person, that thing is going to become a hundred times more of a problem. Yeah. You, you, and, and when you're working with a client, you've got to understand, you know, unless you've done this, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around it, but you're working with someone for probably six months mm-hmm. and in their home and you know about some of the most personal things, you know, I, clients that have two queen size beds in their rooms because they refuse to sleep in the same bed, her and her husband. And that was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm always a therapist. But, but you get so involved in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to be able to get along with this person, if your energies don't click, and you know what that's like, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, a friend or someone you might date, you know when it's just not going to work. Yeah. It's the same with clients. So, you know, you, you've got to be able to look for these things. 
um, and decide what's it worth to you. You know, maybe if you have an assistant that can answer the phone or can, you know, run interference or, but, but if you're just starting out, most likely you just have to trust me when you give up that one Mm -hmm. client and even better one, the right one always comes right behind. Yeah. There's something in, in the universe, um, that it's paving the way it's clearing, clearing the space, right. For your ideal client to come in. And that sounds woo woo and whatever, but it's true. It happens every single time. So, you know, we'll talk about the specific red flags, but at the end of the day, just trust your gut. Yeah. Right. You feel it. So you're right. Someone that's rescheduling and then not answering their phone or not answering emails or, or they take a long time to get back to you. Yeah. And they're energy suckers because you'll be chasing after them or they'll be coming back at random times. Well, like you said, popping in yeah. without an appointment, not knowing if you were here. We had helped her many times mm-hmm. when you weren't here. It, 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 you're right. But, but that was the first sign. And so at that point, just don't yeah. chase them. Ask them more questions, right? You've, you go to that first house call for a reason. And this is your chance to interview them. And that's why I teach you the chat, you know, where you, you sit down and you have them look you in the eye and how serious are you? Are you going to commit to me? Uh, This is going to be my job. (laughs) You know, are you going to make my life easy or hard? And that's what you're trying to figure out. It really is like dating. So you go to your first house call, right? Let's say, okay, so they make the appointments, they keep the appointments and now you're at the house call. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What do you think some other, uh, red flags have you seen any other red flags like when you're at the house well I think maybe not necessarily at the house one one of the things that pops up was kind of along um the first and second meeting was when that client constantly shops on the side or finds comparisons or everything you show they they zero in on one item rather than the entire design yeah and then come back well actually with the big client, you know who I'm talking about. Um, well, actually, I'm going to do this, or I already found this guy, or I'm yeah. going to take care of this project. And so there were such blurred lines of who was taking what um, project within that home. And yes, she had really custom things and artisan things that we couldn't supply at the moment. But I wish that we were a lot more clear in signing contracts in terms of, hey, we're going to release all of our, um, what's the word? Your Responsibility yeah. or... Um, yeah. Yeah, just things like that because we just ran into so many issues and problems. And then even just maybe not taking the job if you can't have full control because working with other outside um, like sources and people that you're not necessarily used to, they will throw you under the bus. They don't have any allegiance to you. You know, you don't work as a team. So that just yeah, caused sure. us so much problems that this project that was supposed to be three, four months literally took a full 12 months. Well, and that that's, yeah, listen to the, the um, podcast we did on working with your contractor. Um, that was a hard situation and there were a lot of factors, but you're right at the beginning. It's someone that, um, knows so much they think, or they want to be involved. You know, it's not a bad thing that the client wants to be involved, but there's a, there's a point where you start to feel, am I being hired for my expertise and as a professional, or am I going to be treated like a personal shopper? You know, that's, that's a big difference. And, and if you want to be a personal shopper, knock yourself out, you know, charge Charge hourly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, for some people, for some designers, that might be what they want to do. And, you know, I have, um, a really good friend in California. That's a great designer. I've worked with her for years. We worked, had a design business together. And now at this stage in her life, she doesn't want to deal 
really with much of the the headache that comes with convincing someone of something or you know that selling aspect of design and so she has um, a client that has her on retainer and it's a certain set amount each month and she just has to shop for them they'll say i need this and i need this and she just shops for them yeah it's great for her like you know that's what she wants to do wonderful but you know we talk about different kinds of design right we've talked about you know different types of, of designers there's so many different careers as a designer but in all of these there's some universal again red flags um so that's a biggie the other uh sort of way i've seen that presented is the first meeting they start talking about their pottery barn credit card where they get points mm-hmm. or restoration hardware is their favorite and you know if you're sourcing from restoration hardware well that's fine but if if they're that involved in shopping themselves are they going to be willing to release some control and at the end of the day you know we have a whole podcast just about keeping control of your project and of your client that is one of the the best skills you could ever achieve in in becoming a designer is knowing how to keep control of the project so they don't shop you they don't steal your ideas i mean it it happens over and over so that's a whole process Mm -hmm. but knowing that up front and those are the red flags right yeah um shopping a lot or um they want to go shopping with you which never 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 um they they seem so eager to be involved in the process because they watch every HGTV show and they just love interior design and they think it's, you know, they should be a designer, but they're hiring you because that does happen. And you just have to decide what is that worth? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be more, um, you know, teaching her or teaching, you know, that person, or you're going to be with them. You're going to have to, second guess your design for their opinion because now they're going to be as much designer of the project does that make sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so all of that kind of stuff again if you handle it correctly it's fine like you know talking about my client that wanted to go shopping and finally i caved and let her and you know after three hours of looking through wallpaper books she was like you're right i don't want to be here i trust you <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we do right we go through the stuff um she never interfered again, which was great, right? Then I had my creative freedom. But sometimes there's a way to do that. I knew that that was the only way, only place I'd take her. We never take so her to a store. Yeah. yeah, go through wallpaper books and it smells. <laughs> you see the same damask pattern, you know, over and over. Damask. That's one of our um, side note nerdy design jokes. We should, ha- I need to have people send me nerdy design jokes. We used to do it all the time. Um, yeah, with Damask. Uh, maybe every episode we'll have uh, yeah. only design nerds, which we are. Mm-hmm. So those people are also design nerds, but yeah, decide. Do you want to work with them? Or are you the kind of designer that wants to have your design, right? This is your mm-hmm. process and your... Do you want that person to be that involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some other that I've seen... I was coaching a designer in San Diego and she was so excited. She had her first house call and she called me because she had the question. Um, I went and they had a bunch of Ikea furniture that was broken, clearly overused with kids and dogs. 
and yet they thought that was okay. They didn't want to replace it or improve it. And they were clearly not ready <laughs> for mm-hmm. a designer. But you have to get out of that, right? That's a red flag. And she did. She got out of it. And I was so proud of her because she just gracefully, she she went through the whole house call and she you know got to know the person. And she said, you know, I think at this stage, I don't know if you're ready for a designer yet. You know, we're going to, you know, talking about budget, minimum that a living room like this would cost. And so she really had kind of that, you know, a gracious conversation and parted ways, hard feelings. Mm-hmm. But I was so proud of her to pick up on if someone's willing to live with cheap, broken furniture, they're not going to respect good yeah. furniture and design. Yeah. I think another one is someone who's constantly um, like bargain shopping. Yes. Like, I mean, of course, that's a lot of money, even just 5000 to invest into a room um, for like the average person. But at the same time, if you're not kind of ready to make some decisions, you shouldn't, you know, go into that field. But that's sometimes a, a tough one too, which yeah. is, you know, we do believe in highs and lows, but when everything you show, oh, that the, really, that's how much it costs. What about this? And well, quality, you know, that's a good point I want to make, um, because I do get this question every once in a while or when I'm coaching with, um, a new designer and maybe it's because they're insecure about their experience or their talents, but the ones that want to work on really low budget, they want to help people fix up their apartment or they want to, and I have to say it's going to be really hard to make a living and not everyone can have a designer and I'll say it over and over. That's okay. (laughs) You know, I don't drive a Lamborghini. You might someday, but I, (laughs) I, um, she likes nice cars, Um, but I won't, but you know what I mean? Not everyone can have a designer. And so you, you don't need to feel bad right? Mm -hmm. And of course you can help your friends and give people ideas. But if you try to build a business around that target market, you're not going to get very far. You know, you, you, you don't want to just have them keep spreading your name to a bunch more people that have no money and want (laughs) you to, you know, make magic in their apartment. Um, It's going to get old fast. This job is hard. Sure. Doing it for, for that, you know, you're going to get to the point where you won't want to charge them for your time either. Right. So that's a slippery slope. So yeah, bargain shoppers, it's one thing. If they understand quality, if they understand, um, that you're a professional and that's where that chat comes in, where you're sitting down with them and saying, listen, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm spending days and hours. I'm getting cuttings for approval. I'm getting, you know, things on hold and reserved. It's a lot of work you understand, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, look me in the eye and tell me you're not going to take advantage yeah, of you me. You wouldn't go to some kind of loan officer and say, do all this work for me. And then, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. or I'm going to go yeah. here. You know, at certain stages you can kind of comparison and, you know, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But be up front, big budget. you know, if say, Hey, I'm, I'm meeting with two other designers. I would love to see your pitch mm-hmm. and just, you know, keep it at that. And I think I kind of got swayed a little or screwed over, I guess I would say with a client like that, who they yeah. thought they told me that they worked with designers before but yeah. they did it and they were trying to steal my work and take pictures and take it home but she told me she was working with someone she thought she did so yeah. kind of a kind of a mess in, in that way well and that was when one of the others that we mentioned um was you know i always teach ask when you first meet with someone like have you worked with a designer mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it's a very simple question it's not rude it's but if they say oh yeah you know numerous many designers Three or four. Oh, mm-hmm. red flag. Why? Why? Walk away. They, yeah. <laughs> Why 
did they fire them or were they fired? Mm. I definitely have a few clients that if any designer called and said, would this, should I work with this person? No, run away. But, um, so that's definitely a red flag. But then again, it can work the other way where I, I told the story, but that's why I started the coaching business was I was at a design or at a, a client. We were signing the contract. I was getting a deposit and they said, well, you know, we had two designers and I thought, Oh, <laughs> pit in my stomach, lump in my throat. And I, Oh, so what happened? Well, the first one, essentially long story short, wouldn't listen to them. Um, the, the next guy I think was so pushy um, they were going to sell the house in five years. They didn't want to put $30,000 uh, yeah. into a guest bath. You know, the pink tile was cute and fine. It was Southern California. <laughs> Leave it. But he wouldn't get pushing and pushing. Mm-hmm. And they liked that I listened. Right. Yeah. So, so they were checking for red flags for me too, mm-hmm. which was great. And, and that's when I had this idea, like think of how many designers are out there making mistakes and just not getting hired or called back and they don't even know why. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would spread the word. Yeah. Um, yeah. So too many, too many designers in the past. It doesn't mean you can't work with them. Maybe they've moved a lot, yeah, right? That's true. Yeah. But they're things to look out for. That's the other reason that that chat is so important to have because that's where you get budget. And I, I promise you, because you hear it over and over, you'll ask a client, so what budget do you have? What would you like to invest in this room? What do they usually say? Now that you've done this for a year, what do they usually say? Oh, I don't know. I don't really have a budget. Or maybe around 10000 If you get around 10000 that's yeah, great. that's a good one. Most people, oh, I don't know. Usually yeah. if I see it, I like it, I'll buy it. Yeah. Which I kind of do believe in that because sometimes I love well, to bargain shop. But if sure. I love it, I will spend every penny on it. But that's why that is a red flag. And some of these should just be, it's a caution where you need to stop and address it. Priorities. So if... If you're talking about budget and they refuse to give you a budget, what that means is the next amount of time that you're going to spend, it, it just means you're not as guaranteed to be successful in the project, right? You may put in 10 hours worth of work before your next appointment and find out that they went shopping and they bought it somewhere else or they you know, took the ideas that you would kind of showed them and they went to Pottery Barn or they saw it on sale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the time if they're talking about budget, um, they're talking about time frame priority. You stop them and say, <laughs> you stop them and say, you know, I understand you're not really sure. People aren't really familiar with budget, but you know, let me just say, my favorite one is rugs come in all prices. I could show you a five hundred dollar rug or a twenty thousand dollar rug, and I would be really embarrassed if I brought a twenty thousand dollar rug and you you weren't expecting to to spend that. So. You know, you see that red flag and you can stop and address it. The other one, they might say too little. Mm-hmm. They go on and on and on about their ideas and all the furniture they want. And then when you sit down to have the budget talk, they say 5000 And you know there's no way, right? Like today, a client wanted really nice lamps, but they had to be under 125 which yeah. seems like a lot of money if you're not used to shopping for furniture. But in the furniture world, lamps start it you know, 200. Yeah. I mean, even these days at Target, you get a lamp, once you buy the shade, it's going to be at least 75. So, Mm -hmm. you know, red flag again. But if someone's budget's too low, this is a teaching opportunity. Stop and educate them. 
that doesn't mean that they don't have more money. That's that in their mind. That's what they wrap their head around. This is the money that they decided they were going to spend on this and they just aren't educated. So say, oh, okay, well now as a designer, this is my favorite line, um, as a designer, you know, it's my job to also help manage your expectations. And normally a room like this and everything you've listed out would cost more than 5,000. Let me show you how and, and kind of work it backwards and say, you know, you want a sofa, you want a sectional, you want a good quality. It's got to last. Those are going to start at four to 5,000. That's a baseline quality sofa. So there's your whole budget. Mm-hmm. And I always like to tell people, listen, I'm not trying to spend all of your money. I know that we will invest in those important pieces, like a sofa where you're going to live on it and your kids can destroy it. And we can save money on accessories. You know, we don't have to do custom drapes. We can get pre-made panels. I'm going to make your budget go as far as we can, but I need to help you really educate you on, on how much furniture costs so you have a realistic expectation. And usually that turns them around. So red flags don't necessarily have to be a, you know, showstopper. It doesn't have to be, you know, you walk away, but you've got to think of them as, as teaching moments. Um, it's, it's really involved or, or really important that they see you as the professional. They're hiring you as a professional. Uh, it's my professional opinion. You know, that phrase is for a reason. And so they've got to have the respect up front. So again, whether it's their time frame or, I mean, it could be anything. I mean, you can try in any red flag, you can try to, you know, walk backwards and let's see, or put it in writing. Like you said, have a contract. That's why, you know, in my training course, I give a contract that's kind of a fill in the blank, you know, put your name, your logo and stuff. But everything in that contract, it started with a basic contract written up by a lawyer for an interior designer. I used to work with a designer that her husband was a lawyer and <laughs> drafted up a contract and she gave me a copy and I've used it for all these years. But I've amended it and added things based on problems I've had in the past. So I can head off red flags. Um, one of the biggies, if someone seems kind of flaky, right? But you get to the point where they've committed, like, yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. I've gone through the chat. I'm doing it. And and you're still, you know that they're going to flake out on you because it happened. So in my contract, it says, if for some reason our project has come, comes to a halt, you know, due to, um, oh, I forget it. It's, it's you know, unforeseen, unforeseen sir, with, with you or myself. Mm-hmm. If we then start up the project at a later date, you might not be as high a priority. I mean, I forget how I say it, but because I've had people who say, oh my gosh, my husband said I can't spend another cent. We have to put everything on hold. And then three months later, I'm already working in another remodel. And she called, all right, I'm ready. We can go again. Let's go. Let's go. And she was getting upset that I couldn't meet with her, but I had moved on. She put it on hold. And so it's in there, this little caveat that says, if you stop this project, when we start again, timing's going to be different. You know, now that you've been here for a year, it's in my contract that fabric and furniture and things become discontinued and backordered every day. It's part of our industry. That is beyond my control. Mm -hmm. I was telling the story today how I told a guy once, I would fly there and weave the fabric for you if I could. but I can't. He was so mad and would call every day about a backordered fabric. Uh, it's out of my control. Yeah. So it's in my contract. 
these are things that have happened and I just want to head them off. And, and I go through my contract with them. I'll, you know, it's not very long. It's very easy to understand. It's in um, legal yet, um, you know, simple language. And so I sort of go through it and I explain these points. You know, these are the things that are important to designers and they might not know that, but these are things that need to be respectful of me. And it gives me a way out if I might've been worried at first, they're a little flaky, you know, you kind of go slowly with the project, but if you start to get into trouble, you're covered because there are places in the contract that say, mm-hmm. you know, if we have to part ways. Yeah. Another one that I just thought of that was a really good one was the client that asks all of her friends' opinions. Oh, yes. Ugh, the one I was dealing neighbors. with today. Nosy yes. neighbors. And- that brought a new friend for each appointment. Well, my friend said this and mm-hmm. my friend told me to double check this. And well, my tile setter said I had to do this. Yeah, the Is there tile a guy why you're questioning my redesigning design? it. Yeah, yeah said oh you shouldn't goodness. do subway tile because the bathroom's too small. Like, that's not for you to decide. Like no. she loved my design. I pitched it to her. Well, why is there glass coming out? It's not you won't be able to open it because the toilet's there. I'm not doing the glass. Well, it's your design. Make you that's where you educate her and say you're designing this glass. This glass. Have you measured it to see if it's going to hit? Are you doing a bypass door? Are you doing it? You can do a pivot um, shower door. There's I also think it dis- was, but we just drew glass and he assumed it was the door and just not yelled oh, gotcha. at me, but. But it is know. a good teaching yeah, yeah. point, right? Uh, but no, you're right. He, he's been getting involved and getting Ugh. the client upset. All day and, today. And I yelled at a contractor once, like yelled at a contractor because he, he was getting the client upset unnecessarily and saying that because we hadn't made one decision, I think it was on hardware on something that we weren't going to be able to do the whole kitchen and it was going to put us behind six weeks. And she called me frantic. No, that's not true. And he had done it one too many times. <laughs> I, I remember that. Goes, yeah. Grab my keys. I'll be back. And I got him and his assistant, right? And I said, I, I want to talk to you guys. Then I got the homeowner and we sat in the same room and I said, don't you ever, well, don't you ever make my designer cry again because she made poor Katrina cry. He made her cry, mm-hmm. cry which was terrible. But I said, these are not crisis. You need to talk to me. There's nothing we can't work out. Let's fix the problem. You don't need to be upsetting the homeowner. This is the timeline that we've agreed to. And so it is being honest and open and communicative, but that's good business, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what we're teaching, how to be a good designer as, as your profession. This isn't a hobby. You have to be honest and yeah. So this child guy calls. is such a huge red flag. Oh my God. And this client. So I'm just treading in deep water and just, well, again, see with me, I would circle back and keep your relationship with your client strong. That that's, I guess why, you know, today we had an issue where the client was getting bad information from this tile guy and she is someone that she had a different friend at every appointment and I had warned Nadia that that's a red flag mm-hmm. she's going to let those people's opinion influence her and the only time I've ever had to redesign a house was because a nosy neighbor came over and gave her unsolicited advice oh, so yeah. I've had that before too um so with this tile person we knew that she was really upset today because he had been getting her worked up and so I had suggested Nadia to just run down and get the tile for her but she didn't I didn't have a chance to talk to her about that yet and she told the woman no it's down in South Seattle and that's like an hour drive and you no. have to go pick it up. But, yeah. but my, I, I would have worked extra hard to make the client happy and on my side and understanding that you are, have the, her best interest. 
Like you designed it for her and these things, the room is going to be beautiful because you did this for her. And so that's why it, it's just, but it was yeah. a red flag. We knew it was going to be a potential problem. So I guess just extra detail, attention to detail in terms of avoiding things and bettering well, yeah. it. Yeah. That first time when she, when I saw her bring a friend in and it was your final presentation and you were busy with another client, I went over there and started talking to them and I wouldn't let them be alone because I didn't want her friend to start poisoning the well and talking bad about the tile. She saw your design lane out there. She saw the rendering she saw all of it. And I didn't want her to start picking it apart. And so I just, from years of experience knew that and saw the friend and you had warned me that she was bringing friends in. And so I went over there and I just kept him busy and talked about stuff and really just small talk. And then, you know, talked a little bit, Oh, isn't this great? Yeah. Nadia will come explain it all. Oh, she's come up with a great design, but you have to keep, you have to run interference. Yeah. Because I knew that was that's a good one. A problem. The same thing goes for contractors, your team. We talked about building your team. But people that don't call you back, people that you're waiting on bids and they don't get right back to you, but they know the client's waiting mm-hmm. and it's making you look bad, they're clearly not taking your business as seriously as you are. So, you know, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. I had one where with that big job that we keep kind of circling back to was I had emailed the contractor the exact um, cabinet I needed, the exact door, the measurements, everything, multiple times, and he still had not ordered it. He was supposed to order in July. Long story short, he ended up ordering it in February. Which yeah. so I had to do yeah. two or three different designs to show <laughs> yeah, my client solutions without telling her, hey, he refuses to do it because there's just so many issues that went on. But he's like, no, you didn't send it to me. I'm like, I legit emailed it to you. I had it and I should have had it sign it. But just having that paper trail to protect yourself and that liability that at the end of the day, like, I'm so sorry. I had this written out. You know, this was what happened. I try to have solutions and the contractor isn't willing to cooperate. There's only so much I can do. Yeah. So if you've taken the risk, you've decided, okay, I see this red flag. I'm going to ignore it. I need the money. It's a great project or, you know, whatever. Be aware and be prepared to address those issues as they come up. And like you said, have a paper trail. It's a great idea. You know, that way everything's documented. You can keep an eye on it that way, right? Yeah. You have proof. It, it's just a way to watch your back. And that's kind of why also it's good to do emails and not necessarily text. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because yes, you can kind of look back on text, but email just preferred way of contact. Yeah. Well, I hope we've taught you something. Things to look for. Caution signs. You don't have to take every client. I encourage you to, again, think about when there's a teaching moment available yeah. or if something in your contract can stop your concern and you bring it up to them at first, say, no, it's been kind of hard to get a hold of you. I want to make sure that we've got an open line of communication for the next two weeks while I'm putting together your design. We're getting ready for your final presentation. I really am going to be able to, to get a hold of you. You know, have them answer. Yeah. So if you are concerned, so I'm not saying, you know, turn away the amazing project because the person seems like an idiot but you know just be aware yeah right prepare yourself and put some safety measures in mm-hmm. place you're things, gonna be stuck yeah. with this person and things can get messy if you don't see those things in advance to better yeah. prepare yourself or walk away but yeah. that's a big thing in our industry yep if you guys have any more questions keep sending them to us we look at our Facebook page. I answer questions, the YouTube channel comments. I answer those. So it's a great place. Ask us questions. I want you guys to get involved. Um, be a part of this. 
I'm, we're helping the design industry. We're helping our community and uh, be stronger and better designers. Yeah. It's like phoning a friend. So take advantage of it. (laughs) So we hope you find this helpful and you can take tips from our real life experience and Chelsea's journey and my little journey. And we hope that it helps you be a better designer. Happy designing. Happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and house at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.